Devils Knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode, wait for it, 401. Um, we've passed 400. Wow. What a long, strange trip it's been. Anyhow, today, Jason Lingren is with me and returning is David Avocado Wolf. This should have happened, I don't know, weeks ago, but we had to postpone and he was traveling. Anyhow, we're going to talk primarily about things to do with water, Victor Schauberger and otherwise. Welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. Welcome, David. I'm going to mention a couple things here before we get going. We're going to talk about the AquaCure machine because as we got on this call, I noticed you had the breathing tube on. So I made a COVID joke. (laughs) And so anyhow, just so everybody knows, under every episode, there are little rectangular images to all the things I support. One of them is to Dave Avocado Wolf. One of them is to the Browns gas machine that we're going to say some pretty amazing things about right now. And the other one is called Alive Water. It's like a copper water pipe with an implosion vortex. I know David's got it. I've got it. They're not cheap, but you do get 50 bucks off if you order from the link that's on the website. We're going to get into all these things. Anyhow, David, let's talk about your experience with the AquaCure machine and what you were telling me about your eyes has me wanting to take another step here. George Wiseman had sent me his AquaCure machine. I ordered it just before your show came out. I'm lucky. And it was because of you, Crow. Thanks so much for that hot tip. He's like, because you said it's going to sell out. So I grabbed that right then. I did, it had been on my list for about 15 years. I went back and looked at my notes over New Year's and I saw it 15 years ago. I set the goal to get George Wiseman's machine, pulled the trigger, got it. One of the, one of the little attachments he gave is the tube that goes to goggles so you can douse or saturate or soak your eyes with Brown's gas. And that has to be, I think, the strongest element of the of the device in the sense of something you feel immediately. So I did it for one hour on my first try, and I was like, whoa, I could see better in one hour. Generally, when you're breathing Brown's gas or you're drinking it, over time and weeks of time, you go, yeah, I'm, something's different and something's good, and I want to keep doing it. But you don't feel an immediate shift. But with the eyesight thing, I did. So are we talking stigmatism uh, is an issue with your eyesight or is it just myopia or the opposite of myopia? It's looking at blue screen, blue light every day and phones and all the other crap that we have to deal with. And that's really, it's, you know, as you get in your fifties, as you guys know, you eventually start going, my God, my eyes can't handle this. One treatment. I was like, whoa, my eyes are sharper, better. My color um, perception has improved. It's awesome. Awesome device. These things that that we're all discovering now and the kind of new era we're headed into, like sun gazing, does the same thing. I have astigmatism, and I noticed sun gazing was making my vision better. Your report on George's machine, but here's the mind blower with George's AquaCure machine. My mother, who everybody knows, is suffering from dementia. She's an end-stage dementia. She got this almost the size of a 50-cent piece melanoma, diagnosed melanoma on top of her head. Underneath this white, scabby, kind of smooth, crusty, horny protrusion was all this black skin. Now, I had been taking the Browns gas, putting it like a, you know, a shower cap on to trap the gas in and doing it for a half an hour. And I thought I noticed some difference. And then I went whole hog for 10 hours, 10 days in a row. I did an hour of the gas trapped under the shower cap. But what I also did is immediately when I was done, the water from the drinking vessel, which is charged, I soaked in a sterile gauze and I laid it right on top of the melanoma until it dried. 10 days. She got to itching on the thing one day and it lifted up and I'm oh no. And I'm looking, I don't see any blood. So I get ready, put her in the shower one day when the CNAs are here to help me and the whole thing is lifting up. I get a pair of scissors to cut the hair free and the whole melanoma lifted off and it looked like almost an abrasion underneath. The next morning, it looked like a minor scab. Three days later, it was pink skin coming back. That was weeks ago. In other words, that was a diagnosed melanoma that seems to have been effectively treated within 10 hours of using George's gas in the way that I have described. It blows my mind to this minute. That's such an awesome testimonial. This gets back to the to our mineral theory, which we can get into, and the and the nature of isotopes. Deuterium is a heavy isotope of hydrogen, and by its nature, Brown's gas is deuterium depleted. 
the more deuterium and isotopes, heavier isotopes that we have in our body of other minerals, the bigger the problems are and the quicker they, they approach in terms of chronic disease. And this has been shown by, originally it was shown by the Russians and then the Hungarians did 20 years of research on it, that deuterium depleted water in particular lowers your development of almost every chronic inflammatory disease and cancers. Where else do you pick up deuterium? Deuterium's in the environment. So the typical environment that we're in is somewhere around 140 to 150 parts per million of deuterium in the water that's around us. The closer you are to the equator, whatever the equator is, the higher the deuterium in the water table, the higher latitude you are, or lower latitude, the more you get into the freezing zones and glaciation zones, the lower the deuterium is in the water. So for example, places like Iceland has very low deuterium in the water. It's about 139 parts per million. If you're, let's say you're in New York City and you're, you know, it's gone through what is it, Indian Point, where they have that nuclear power plant and all the, all this water has been hit by isotope or at least by a little bit of heavier hydrogen. The the number goes a little bit higher and suddenly some and can be even as high as 150. Once your body hits about 154, 154 parts per million of deuterium, then you're in trouble and you'll have a diagnosis actually, usually like heart disease or atherosclerosis or a cancer or something of that nature. What the deuterium depletion water is doing is it's like waves washing against the beach over periods of weeks and even months. And the Hungarians found it took three months. You're lowering your overall body content of deuterium out of the danger zone. And so that's telling us that your body has a natural mechanism to remove deuterium once you give it the chance. Hmm. All right. Well, we we wanted to talk about water. And while we're in hour one, uh, I want to talk about the alive water copper pipe that I described. Again, these things are not cheap. I did the best I could. If you use the link on the site, it's blue called alive water, then you will be able to get 50 bucks off. Here's what I did. I bought two of them. One of them and I'll try to describe, I know David's going to know more about this than I do, but I talked to the guy as I did him. So I have a, a well pump and there's a long straight run. So close to where it comes in, I put this wavy copper pipe, which basically has an implosion vortex. It's spiraling the water. And he told me it doesn't matter which way it spirals, which I found a little unusual, but truth is that's perspective stand on one side and it's clockwise stand on, the, you know, so I guess I get it, but here's the thing. I immediately recognized that where I am, the wells around here have high iron and I couldn't taste the iron anymore. Now, as I said, I bought two of them. The other one's coming off the hot water heater. And so the cold water main pipe coming in has it and the hot water. The showers are nicer. I feel, I don't know. I just, I guess I have a general feeling of well-being because that's the water we drink. But what can you add about these implosion vortex copper pipes? By the way, I got the one with the implosion vortex, and it's also wavy. The pipe is has a wave in it. First things first is, just for everybody listening, is Crow has actually installed that into his water line. So the water has to go through that vortex, and that's something that's important to understand. You actually have to cut the line, put the copper pipe in, and that way the water is forced through it, and it becomes healthier and younger. Now, this goes back to Victor Schauberger, which we want to get into. Victor Schauberger's discoveries and his research and the education that we have gotten from Victor Schauberger is so incredible. I, I spent all last night talking with one of the guys who lives with me here about it. It's just one of the most incredible discoveries. And what Victor Schauberger said, and this is correlated to my 25 plus years experience now with these types of devices is that when you spiral water, when you send it through a vortex, it becomes happier, it becomes younger, it becomes healthier, and something is enlivened within the water that was dormant. Which has been described, just so people know, in all my years of research, there were a few long-lived communities, mostly more, uh, I I don't know, I don't want to, I'm going to use the word tribal, but you get what I mean. It's like village life or something like that. If I remember correctly, and I hope I get this right, one was near Afghanistan. They went in to study these. Everybody knows they've done studies on Okinawa for their longevity. They've come up with reasons. A lot of that's diet, but this particular community and a couple others, the community itself said it's our, it's our water. What they discovered was the water was coming out of the ground where they where they got it to use. And it was what they were calling zigzagging. And what I put together in my mind is like, have you ever been out hiking in the mountains and there's a glacier melt? Think of how the water comes through all those streams. That's that's the way I think of it, David. But this has been documented in long-lived uh, communities. The water is doing it. 
Yes, let me clarify something about deuterium. Deuterium is toxic, right? So the heavier isotopes, deuterium and tritium are toxic, whereas hydrogen is what you want. What's coming out from underneath the glacier, glacial till water, is the most deuterium-depleted water that we've got and that we know of, just by the way. And so cultures like the Hunzas, and I think that's who you're referencing up there near Pakistan, and I think they're actually in Pakistan now, currently under the current borders, they they lived off that water. They, they called it glacial milk. That's how much they appreciated the quality of that water. And many, many scientists studied it, including a good friend of mine, Dr. Patrick Flanagan, discovered it had amazing properties. But the most interesting, again, is that it's deuterium depleted and it's coming down naturally. It's spiraling, vortexing, roiling over, rolling over, which is what water likes to do. As soon as you try to put water in a straight pipe, then you have pressure, friction, and trouble, and the water becomes ill and diseased. And to Victor Schauberger's theory and this is we talked about this extensively last night here in this house the problems that we have mentally uh, the problems that the human race has with getting to a higher state of mind derive specifically from the problems in the way that we move water around unnaturally through straight pipes and right angle turns and pushing and forcing and pressurizing the angles of sorrow, by the way, a right a right angle is described in older occult texts as the angles of sorrow being 90 degrees or anything that looks like a square or a rectangle. These have always been viewed in older, more spiritual times when spiritual vision was higher as angles of sorrow. But uh, this is a thing that kind of blows my mind. These these things we're discovering um, with, with the machine we opened up with that cured a melanoma or seemingly uh, dealt with the melanoma. Maybe that's a safer way to say it in this era uh, in 10 hours. And think of every plumber out there. If they took this seriously, it would be so easy to route the, the water into a house in a more healthy way. Yes. And, and by the way, for almost, it's getting close to 20 years. I've had spiral pipes built into my lines in my house and it's, it's a complete game changer. The water becomes healthier, happier it, the way it comes. So I have it right where it comes. So my house is on a spring. So the spring water, we were basically pushing it up the hill. So I have a spiral pipe down there. When it comes into the house, there's a spiral pipe there. And then when it comes out of every shower head and even the, the sink in the kitchen, it's got another spiral pipe all for Mikhail, by the way, as we, I think you had him on the show, or at least you have his product advertised. It's just a fun, it just changes everything. And, and this is the thing is we're always trying to stack the odds in our favor whenever possible. So whenever you move water around in a healthy way, you've got the water spirit behind you and you're stacking the odds in your favor for health and also for happiness. Because a lot about what I want to get in with you guys today on this call is about the joy of experiencing the mystery of water. The thing that Victor Schauberger brought into my life, can I can never repay him enough. It's brought so much awe and mystery that that, that you just stand in in apt odds. Wow. This is incredible. And those things are, you can't put a price on those things. No, the first time that I ever bumped into it was years ago. And I am no Schauberger expert, but I remember reading where he's explaining, you know, everyone goes out into wilderness and they say, there's water, there's one kind of water. And he goes, I'm here to tell you there are more types of water than you can imagine. And just through observation, but Mikael is creating the alive water link that gets you the 50 bucks off. And what I wanted to ask you is what I didn't get yet. Um, and these things are a bit pricey, but to me, it's worth it. You know, these are investments in my health and the health of my dog and my family, and probably even the plants that I grow with this water. There's a little shower fixture. I think he says it's for apartments where people don't have the option. It's a loop-de-loop. So it yes. comes into the shower. It does a loop-de-loop. Is that what you're using? Yes, I use that on my shower and I use that on my on my kitchen sink, this little loop-de-loop thing. And it's just, it's so fun and it's a great subject of conversation, but it improves the water and the water responds to our thoughts. The water responds to um, our feelings about it. And whenever we do, we take steps to improve the water, the way I look at it is the water spirit goes, oh, thank you so much. And then returns to us great gifts. This is the thing, man. When I was young, I know I would have been thinking poppycock but it is not. Uh, it's these basic things. It's these connections to nature. And when we say the word spirit, people's eyes glaze over, but they forget there was a time when everything in this world that was made by nature was viewed as having a body, a spirit, and a soul. This played into our, you know, it's almost like we 
totally lost it as we went into the 1900s when, you know, Rockefeller schooling and science started taking over in a big way. But these things are real. And if you don't believe what we're laying down when we're talking about the spirit of water, go look up Dr. Emoto online. Everyone who's anybody interested has seen it. He proved that intention could be bedded in water. Now go back and think of the things you bumped into in life. Well, I went into a Catholic church and there's the holy water. Well, why is it holy? Well, a, a priest blessed it. What's going on there? Whoever blessed that water, whatever kind of human being and whatever intention he had was embedded into that water when he blessed it. Now, how is it that however long ago the Catholic church came to be, they, they got it. They knew what they were doing. That's living proof that they knew there was something going on there. But what what would you add? Everybody needs to look at the videos from Emoto where he freezes water, does other things, and proves outright that even taping a positive or a negative word on a glass of water that will be frozen has an effect on it. Crow, we're all screwed up from our Western training in terms of our understanding of the natural order of life, which is animism, which is the idea that everything is living. Everything has soul and spirit in it, which is the default religion of every almost every person that has ever lived on Earth. 99.999% of every person who's lived on Earth was animistic. They understood that the rocks are speaking to you, the water is speaking to you, that the spirit is speaking to you in, in all ways. But in our Western disturbance of that natural relationship we have to have a pathway back that helps us to get this stuff. And that's where, to me, Victor Schauberger came in. That's where water comes in. That's where I started to understand that, oh, I see this cockamamie type of science. Scientism has been sold to us, which is all explosion. Let's take this, this coal and burn it up. Let's take this wood and burn it up. Let's take this nuclear fuel and burn it up. Everything is about pushing and force and pressure. And what Victor Schauberger brought to my attention Attention and save my life really is this idea that everything's imploding that what you what's really driving all of nature is suction not force and pressure as soon as force and pressure dominates and you have a heart attack then the tree dies you have to have suction that's moving all of your fluids around in your body your blood in particular this is why the heart's not a pump it's a regulator of a suction system that's run by your lungs this discovery all of a sudden I went oh my god it's not technology that's bad it's the type of technology that's bad and it's not technology that's anti-life it's the type of technology that's anti-life the explosion burning type of technology the force and pressure systems that we use rather than the suctional and implosion systems that we could and should use and that nature uses as a motive force you couldn't have said it better. And the whole technology thing is a real tell when you finally wrap your head around what's driving us. Um, remember back in the old days when steam trains were bigger and almost all the engineers would describe them as she's alive, she's breathing. Uh, they're basically boiling water, right? They're burning wood and or coal or something to boil water. So it's not exactly the best we can do, but it's one of the heights of aqua power from the supposed water age. But when you come up into our era, there's a tell that I use all the time. A machine is dead. Everything a machine will ever do is death-based. And your car is a good example. Go, go into your car right now, start it up, and then go put your nose at the tailpipe and marvel at the corruption spewing from this explosionary machine. And what you said there is key. It almost seems like we all know there's always a North Pole and a South Pole. Things are polar. There's night, there's day. It's almost like the impolar, the implosion is the natural pole and the explosion is the kind of synthetic pole. Because when you go into nature and you say, well, where can I see explosions in nature? You can find it, but it's different than the way we're employing it. Yes. I love the way Victor Schauberger said it. He, he said that everything in nature is in a dynamic disequilibrium and everything is driving through. I always think of the yin yang sign, which is very symmetrical, isn't natural. What would be natural is to have the yin yang sign as an egg shape where the implosionary side, the formative side, the suctional side is actually slightly greater than the explosive side. And, but that's the way it has to be. There can be no growth, right? This whole idea of entropy has to be counterbalanced than dominated by ectropy organizational force must dominate or there could be no life on earth this whole thing that ent entropy entropy is is a degenerate concept created by a degenerate form of science that's coming at an end stage of a philosophy that's unnatural it, it's really about 
Entropy, formative forces. How do we bring in formative forces? That's what water is doing when it's spiraling. And it emanates an energy, by the way, and that's a big part of Victor Schauberger's philosophy. And that energy can, it, it's like a cold fusion. That's what Victor Schauberger said. He said, the sun isn't, you get closer to the sun, it, does it get hotter or colder? It gets colder because the sun's cold. It's the way that the sun's interacting with the earth is lighting up the atmosphere through a cold plasma. And that's similar to taking like an argon or xenon gas, put, putting it in a sealed glass tube and getting it close to a waterfall. And all of a sudden the ions start to light up in the, in the bulb and there's no connection. They're not touching each other. It's because there's an ionization that's coming off of the waterfall, an implosionary force that is felt by certain aspects of nature, including argon and xenon gas, so that they light up, they get activated by it. And he said, that's what's lighting up the atmosphere, actually. That's how the sun's lighting it up. These concepts, by the way, that Victor Schauber Schauberger brought in, you know, that the sun is cold, the earth is warm. We could get into that. I've done the experiments. And by the way, on Victor Schauberger, this is near and dear to my heart. This is one of the greatest things. I love sharing this because I spent 25 years putting his teachings into action. And I, am, I get chills over my body. I'm loving it more now than ever before. I buried an egg in my yard. You know, Victor Schauberger says, bury a, an egg ceramic in your yard. I did that in my orchard. And then you fill it up with spring water and you swirl it around and you, you hammer copper and, and you put zinc fluid in there and you, you get the opposite charges and you spin it around. It, it emanates through your, your orchard because it's the water spiraling around in there. Did that for years. Interestingly on that, it can get to my house in, in Ontario, Canada. It can get to minus 40 in the winter. Minus 40 centigrade, by the way, is the same as minus 40 Fahrenheit. And it doesn't freeze. The water in that egg doesn't freeze, even though the lip and the top of it is exposed to the atmosphere. It's open, but it, it will not freeze because the earth's warm and the sun is cold. Victor Schauberger was well known for, for identifying feminine elements in the sun, which you've done so many shows on, Crow, right? We always think of the sun as masculine, but Victor Schauberger was like, nope, there's a feminine element to the sun. And he would go into the feminine nature of carbon, gold, the sun, copper, and many other elements. And the male energies, which he would identify as oxygen, hydrogen. Um, he also identified silver as being a male energy, kind of the opposite of what we normally do. We normally say silver is feminine, gold is masculine. He flipped that. Um, he also identified zinc as a male element and silica and silicon as a male element. So these are some of the things and ideas that I've been playing around with for years for Victor Schauberger, still fascinated by it today. If I had to go back on the episodes we've done that have outlined this, what I, what I currently accept, Lord knows what I'll know tomorrow, is that it's variable as all things are. Change is the only constant. Yes. And so if the sun is truly represented by gold and the older more elegant philosophical four element scheme than that gold at times is female in aspect. Um, I accept that. And I would say a similar thing of the moon, though it appears to be feminine from our point of view more, but you brought up two things that are critically important. I'm going to go back to the elemental idea where everybody knows air, earth, you know, wind, fire, uh, fire was a special element and maybe not long after episode 400, I'm writing one that Jason are going to do that get into this used to be that they viewed fire as just special um, of all other elements. Part of it is it's where the light is going to come from, which was just mentioned. Heat is going to come from. In older esoteric schools, the claim is made that all life is started by heat. The oldest you can go back, it's because of a place that some places call old Saturn, not the Saturn we have, but it was heat that starts it all. But when you take it forward, here's the interesting thing. People have seen Jason, what the heck's the guy, the, the electrical genius's name that doesn't like to... Eric Dollard. Eric Dollard did a version of what I'm about to tell you. And this is from an old esoteric school, which was permitted in the late 1800s to say what I'm about to repeat. If space was described as it is, and there was no matter, you could be looking straight at the light source and you would never see it, which echoes what David just said. Because when it comes into our atmosphere, now there's all this matter and the light hits the matter, making the light visible. And these are things that we don't think about in terms of modern science. I mean, what would you add, David? 
you know, this, while we're on that, I really want to get this idea in. This is what I would add to that is, you know, the atmosphere is we generally understand it as positively charged. The earth's negatively charged. There are also many, many astral forces or forces of the atmosphere. And there are many, many telluric forces, forces of the earth that we don't have names for. And that's such an important statement to make. And one of the best questions I ever got in my whole career was how many forces are there? And if you've read Gustav Le Bon's The Evolution of Forces and the Evolution of Matter, you see that there's so many forces we don't have names for. And what Victor Schauberger's thing was and what these great minds have really been trying to teach us is you mix the substances of the heavens and the substances of the earth in unique ways to get unique results. And the one of the things that I see when I look at trees, for example, is that the tree is a mixture of the heavens and the earth. And Victor Schauberger's great statement, he took Isaac Newton, he said, Isaac Newton said, how the apple or the, the Sir Isaac Newton said, why does the apple fall from the tree? Remember that? Yep. And Schauberger's statement was, how did the apple get up there in the first place? <laughs> how does the apple get up there? How are things levitated up? So whenever I think about the atmosphere and the earth, it's, this is the, this is the actual laboratory that we are in. And to understand these dynamic interactions of opposites is where the magic is. And in order to have that, you have things that push down, that's gravity. And then you have things that spiral up, that's levity. And the levitational force must always be greater than the gravitational force or no growth is possible. Somehow that little lesson, I, I've tried to get that into people's minds for 25 plus years and some people get it and some people just go you mean you're against gravity it's just like whoa like whoa they can't see that a tree through suction is pulling the liquids and fluids up into itself it's not forcing or pressurizing anything in fact if you get under a tree is it hotter or colder it's always colder always you're in the shade of the tree you're under the tree you're touching the tree sometimes as much as 10 degrees fahrenheit colder that's really significant because the implosion causes a cooling and the explosion causes a heating. So that statement is going to spark some debate because of the things that I and others have said about gravity. Um, one of the quips I made is at what point did we need to describe a force because something heavy fell? Um, but the point is uh, there are many people who have looked at gravity and the truth is it's a theory based on a theory. Um, but there's no denying things fall. So I think that that's the commonality of what we're trying to point out here <laughs> from my, from my point of view, a thing falls because it's heavy, <laughs> but anyhow, moving on from there, one thing that I truly want to get into because I'm not that versed in it is what I brought up earlier. Schauberger came along and said, Hey, all you people saying there's one type of water. There are many types of water. What do you know about that? David spent. Over 25 years, I've hunted down over 400 cold springs all over the world, from Australia to Iceland, from Europe to Japan, from South America and the Andes into the Amazon, all the way up into North America, from the highlands to the lowlands. And that is absolutely true. I've never seen two springs that are the same. The phenomenon of a spring itself is always incredible to witness. It's just every time it's a mystery. I've had springs on my property. I've dealt with a spring on my property for 20 years, and it has a spirit. If you appease the spirit of the of the of the water, it it's it will be happy with you and will bestow upon you great gifts. Now, I'm going to tell you a crazy story that happened one time. Is the old original system that was at my house that was tapping the spring water and sending it up to the house, it was always giving me trouble until I, I basically had to redo every single part of that system the right way with the spiral pipes, with the with the bladder technology rather than the pressure technology. So the bladder technology is like once the water moves into the, into the pipe, it won't come backwards down the pipe because there's a back pressure. And that back pressure is created by a bladder. And that's how most water systems in homes are done now to create a back pressure into the home if you're on a well system or if you're on a spring system like I am. And I had to redo it. Now, the, the final straw that broke the camel's back of the old system was one day I walked by the spring house. It's, so there's a spring coming out of the ground. It's in a pool. It flows out a little pipe so it doesn't overflow. And so the building itself can be climate controlled. So the whole thing doesn't freeze in the winter anyway. And by the way, spring water will not freeze, but your pipes might freeze. So you have to make sure the pipes don't freeze on the way up to your house. 
At any rate, I opened the door because I heard the spraying in there and the whole thing had collapsed in on itself, the old original system. And the actual pressure iron tank had punctured a hole in it that was spraying on the pump itself, cooling it off. And somehow the floor had collapsed, everything had collapsed, but it all had caught. And it was just the most cockamamie thing I've ever seen in my life where the the water was spraying at the pump and the thing had been running for days and days straight, but it didn't overheat because the water was cooling it off as it hit it. It took seven men to pull that tank out because that tank had water in it, weighed over 700 pounds. So we finally got that thing out of there. We had to redo the whole system. So when it comes to plumbing and doing it the right way, it comes to respecting the nature of a spring and respecting the spirit of the spring, I've been through it. And in fact, I consider myself a cosmic plumber because that's been part of my karma, dealing with water problems. And in fact, ultimately, in my mind, from my Victor Schauberger training, ultimately dealing with the world's water problems is the solution to all our problems. So it's so hard for modern minds to even consider some of the places we're going. So let me take a stab at comparing a thing that most of us accept is true to water. So I don't even remember whether it was 30 or I don't know how many types of water Schauberger had identified at that point. It was a lot, a lot more than I thought possible. And when I read it, I thought, come on, man, water's water. Think of this. If you go to a a wine growing area, they will tell you this dude over here is growing the exact sign kind of grape that I'm growing, but there's this thing called terroir. And what terroir is, is the particular minerals and the particular water, the particular breeze off the ocean or not, the particular rain that hits here gives this identical grape made in the identical way, a different flavor, which we call terroir, which means the earth provided something slightly different here. Now take the idea of terroir and throw it at water. So over on this mountain, there's more minerals, there's more whatever there's more of or less, and there's these kinds of trees dropping their needles into it. So you can instantly begin to divine the truth of what Schauberger is saying, that you cannot compare two streams at a distance and claim they're the same thing. How's that? That's right. And you, you reminded me of something really interesting that I've that Victor Schauberger brought to my attention. I've observed all over the world. And that is, let's say you're in a place like in Austria, where on one side you have the Dolomites and on the other side you have limestone, more of a limestone type of, of rock. And so you have these dissimilar elements that get into the rivers that cut in between. That's what enlivens water. Schauberger called that the bread of the water, where you have dissimilar elements, oppositely charged elements, oppositely colored elements, say blue rock and red rock that charge up the water and make the water fresh and enlivened. Those types of things, by the way, are very easy to see in places like Iceland, where it's still pure. When you're in disturbed environments like we have in North America or Europe or wherever you are in the world, then it's a little bit more challenging to get to those places where you see that. This dissimilar thing is what really has been internalized and put underneath everyone's sink as a water filter where you have those pebbles, right? If you have one of those chambers or one of those containers full of pebbles, they're dissimilarly charged. And therefore, as the water moves through it, the water is enlivened. It's improved. Everything you find under a sink as a sink filter ultimately was a strategy that nature has already been using since the beginning of time to purify and improve water. So you and I grew up in the East County of San Diego, the generation of drugged out folks that I came up in, you were a little bit behind that. I think you actually managed to dodge some of the hell that that became. But out there, it's basically a form of desert called chaparral. Now, as I lived outside as a youngster, I realized that if I saw a certain kind of oak tree, I knew there was water below there. I knew that if I could dig, there would be water. So here you are in a chaparral, basically a form of desert where probably cactus and scrub bush grow better than anything else. And there's these massive oak trees and it blew my mind because an arborist once told me that these oak trees have a super long root that's going down and they're pulling hundreds or thousands of gallons up every day. Um, When you were growing up, you must've known the same thing. You see those, those ravines on the mountains, there's an oak stand, you know, there's water there. 
Yes. And we, in our environment, it was, it was Oak or sometimes if you got into the, the bigger mountainous environments of East San Diego, you'd see sycamores because sycamores could plug down in there and, and grab some of that water. So it was always nice whenever you saw sycamores and you know, there was usually a moving stream there. These types of instincts are, are, have we been separated from them? But I do want to remind everyone that you have an instinct to find water. You have an instinct to find spring water. And it it eventually becomes something that it it just becomes overwhelming. So I've been all over the world. I've been in places where everyone's like, there's no spring water here. We don't have spring water here. And just kept looking and very quickly found the spring water that is there. There's always water coming out of the earth somewhere nearby. One of the most um, hilarious is the one right there. It's it's in Los Angeles. It's in Santa Monica. You'll get a kick out of this crow. It's right off the 405 between um, what's that? It's not Santa Monica. What's the next one up is uh, Santa Monica and it's between Santa Monica Boulevard, Barrington, and Westgate, and then what's the other? It's it like uh, Oxnard or something. No, 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 no. It's I'm, I'm talking the street. It begins with a W. What's the what's the big road there? And Wilshire, right, right through the middle. Of- Wilshire Boulevard. It's Wilshire Boulevard. It's between Wilshire Boulevard and Santa Monica Boulevard. And then it's bounded in on two sides by Barrington and I think it's Westgate. And there's a school there. And one day I was, and we used to go to that school and I used to teach the kids there about all kinds of interesting things. We'd bring the Nutribullet in and do all kinds of cool stuff. And one day the teacher said to me, Hey, do you want to do the class today at the spring? And I was like, huh? What do you mean a spring? Because I spent a lot of time. My cousins lived right down the street on Princeton off of off of Wilshire Boulevard, actually, right there in Santa Monica. And so all the time as a kid growing up there and visiting, there, I never heard there was a spring there. Everybody in L.A. said, we don't have springs here. Meanwhile, right under their nose, there are four springs coming up right there, right off Wilshire Boulevard right between Barrington and Westgate at this, then they put a school in there and then eventually fenced off those particular springs. It's always right under our nose. And I do want to add that in because everybody goes, Oh, we don't have spring. Oh, we don't know what that is. Oh, we don't have that. And it's just made up in their mind. They, they absolutely do have springs very nearby. And if you turn your instinct on, you'll find them. Well, there's a good modern example out where you and I grew up waters. Well, all of San Diego waters, a concern. And so there was a well digging company and my dad had bought parcels way out in the middle of nowhere and they were getting a well guy. And my dad told me they were going to hire a water witch. And I said, well, what's a water witch? And he says, it's a guy that gets a branch and he determines where the best place to dig the well is. And I'm all, come on. And my dad looked (laughs) me in the eye and he said, this is real. And we went out to watch it. And sure enough, I forget what kind of tree it was. He's holding on to the two things and he's going and this thing bends down. And so I'm telling my dad, come on, man, he's faking it. He pulled them apart and, he, <laughs> and, and my dad's all telling me, no, this is real. Um, and so eventually I learned it was real because they dug and they got the water. But uh, how is it that everybody doesn't know this is real? I saw it done with cop two copper bent pieces of like wire. And I saw it done with certain particular types of tree branches that were wide. And I'm here to tell you, I never would accept it until I had to, because I saw water witching is real. It's real water witching or dousing often right. it's called right. can be done with copper or wood. And these are subtle forces that are emitted from underground streams and aquifers and people can find them. I, by the way, I'm not one of them. I don't have that particular skill, but I have seen people who do and it works. It's legit. It's kind of mind boggling. The first time I saw it that I was describing, he holds his hands like upside down And so when the front of the stick bends down, it looks like someone's really pulling on that thing. And, but it's, it's hard to describe. It looks like there's like a 10 pound weight instantly on the end of the stick. And what I'm here to tell you is I thought he was bending the stick in a way to make that happen when I was young, but I've seen it done enough times. It's the real deal, man. These people can go out to a desert, which Chaparral is, and they can absolutely detect where a good place to dig a well would be and prove where a bad place to dig a well would be. Yes, it's, it's fascinating. And so this brings us back to the most important thing that we need is a water source, right? Just to create an environment that we can live in. The air is freely there, right? In the natural d- construction of this creation that we're in the earth, the, the air is there. And then, so what's next? We've got to find a nice water source. And this is why spring water hunting we, by the way, I do want to give a resource here, Crow, and, and this is a, a resource that was originally developed by friends of mine, and it's passed 
down a few hands now and in a really great guy's hands now, which is findaspring.com. What a cool resource to have. And, and if you do find a spring and you want to add it to the site, please do. We want to make that a, it is a worldwide site, but we want to make even more springs available to people around the world. So if anybody wants to hit that, it's a non-commercial site. It's just strictly an informational site where you can find springs in your local area and start turning on that instinct. That is so cool. One of the things that we suspect will come in the new era is a run to corner the water of the world and make it a controlled resource, which is a bit mystifying because that is absolutely a basic human right. But we're in hour one. What would be a good thing? Uh, some of the big deals that Schauberger puts on the table. And by the way, you can get, I think if I'm not mistaken, Mikhail had told me most of the Schauberger stuff is translated into English now. David, is that true? Yes, that's correct. And there was a an, Austra- an Australian researcher by the name of Callum Coates, C-A-L-L-U-M, last name Coates, C-O-A-T-S, you wear a coat, who went to live with Jörg Schauberger. Jörg Schauberger became a friend of mine years later, who's the grandson of Victor Schauberger and still lives in Bad Ischl in Austria, where Victor Schauberger lived for many years before and after the war, the Second World War, and wonderful guy and wonderful family. Anyway, the um, work of Callum Coates has been transcribed into five books. And the first one, the one that I first got a hold of was called Living Energy, still available now. You can find it. And then he wrote four additional books based on the, the extra stuff that he couldn't fit into Living Energies. One of them was called The Fertile Earth. Another one is The Energy Evolution. Uh, another one is The Water Wizard. And there was a, let me see if I can figure out what that fourth one was there was four of them and these books are they're they're actually called the ecotechnology series so four books in the ecotechnology series i give you four titles there, there's a fifth one so five total books and what these books do is take you through the work of understanding the forest for example because victor schauberger was a forest he was a forester he's a forest ranger and one of the major discoveries is that when you have large rings in trees for example you think oh the tree grew fast look at these large rings that's terrible wood. You don't want wood with wide rings. That means it's been exposed when it was young to too much light. Anytime you have the rings expand in size, the tree's getting hit by too much light. And that usually indicates that the forest has been clear cut or damaged. Or there's been an opening in the forest that's, bit, that's unnatural. When you have very tight rings, then you get really good quality wood. So the discovery of, of the, it's a rediscovery of how to, how to grow really good quality wood is built into Victor Schauberger's work. The discovery of implosion technology rather than explosion technology using suctional or tractive forces rather than pressure or pushing forces is built into Victor Schauberger's work. The, by the way, this is really cool. I love this part of Victor Schauberger's work is how he figured out that the trout can work its way all the way up into the, the spawning grounds, which is where the springs are coming out by being essentially pulled up the water, pulled up the waterfall, pulled up the streams and the creeks and the rivers. You're thinking, no, 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 it's swimming up against the, the forces. But there's always when there's a force pushing down all that water flowing down the hill, for example, there's also a suctional force in the midst of it that's pulling up just like if there's gravity pushing down there's levity pulling up or falling upwards is the way that victor schauberger described it and then eventually i tracked down videos of this phenomenon where fish are swimming up a waterfall and you're like what the heck is this and by the way i, I want to do that for all the followers at crow triple seven and everybody who's a member of the site which i have been as you know crow a member i think i was one of the first maybe the first 50, maybe even the first 25, because I loved your show so much. And uh, I want to I give those videos. I want to get those to you guys so you can pass them along to, to the membership. The phenomenon has been known for all time. So I, I'm also going to send you guys a video that's a particular root in India that forms a spiral shape that they would roast over a fire. So they'd charcoal it, and then they'd put it in a flowing uh, water. For example, you can do that now easily with a hose. But back in the day, you'd have a little waterfall coming down, and you'd put this little spiral shape in it. And the spiral shape would go up and actually hang 
hang in the waterfall and suspend right in front of your face. It's not going down and it's not going up. And that proves to us, for those who are doubters, that Victor Schauberger was right. Levitational forces are right there with gravitational forces. And again, for growth to occur, levitational forces must supersede or be greater than gravitational forces. And the trout and the salmon, their structure, the formation of their gills, how they actually are able to overcome gravity through levity is a major piece of Victor Schauberger's research. Which is still ignored. And by the way, when you were talking about wood rings, I think it was less than a month ago, I was reading where they're trying to use tree rings to date. And what they said in that book was the wide rings meant that they were happy trees and the tight rings meant there wasn't enough water and it was a bad year. <laughs> that's that's what they were doing, which is the exact opposite of what you said. But yes, it's. And so Victor Schauberger would say, when you have these wide rings and overexposure to light, the forest becomes sick and diseased, the wood becomes terrible. And, you know, this is a very big, we're so far into troubles with our forests worldwide. It's insane. And, and Victor Schauberger was, he felt that empathically. And it, ultimately he died as a result of that. He was so heartbroken when he saw the forests of Eastern North America, when he came to the United States in 1958, that he literally was so heartbroken about it that he died three months later when he went back to Austria. Geez. So if what Schauberger laid down is true, it is the exact opposite of what I recently saw modern scientists and scientism claiming is true of tree rings. But as for the videos, will you provide links that we can put in comments for the videos? Is that what you meant? I'm just going to send you guys the videos. I, you know, I have them, I put them in my telegram feed sometimes. So I'm just going to send them to you and you guys can just fit them in there. However you want to post them. It's just really neat stuff that shows us that, Oh, here are the forces at work. Now, ultimately for us to get out of the crisis that we're in right now. And I think most people who are membership and most people who listen to your show, Crow, we know that we are the, the beginning of the next thing, right? We're the beginning of the next civilization, the next society, the teachings that we're bringing to light will be built in to the next civilization. So, you know, that's why I feel so strongly to get this message out because until Victor Schauberger came along, I couldn't make sense of the world. After he came along, I understood the forces, the the formative forces of nature in a way that had been hidden from us that, that literally felt like, again, you know, I always felt like the world is animated. The world is, it's animistic, right? Everything's alive. But then you'd look Look at this junk technology and all these plastics and crap made out of aluminum. And you're just like, that did not make sense. I couldn't make sense of it. It's intentional. We live in a death-based system. And the problem is, is that there are beautiful aspects of our world. There are pleasant memories. But when you boil down to the modern systems, they're working mightily to dumb you down, to shorten your life, to kill you off if you'll make bad decisions. Um, there are so many things. But okay. by the way, the fourth book in that series, which is the fifth overall book by Callum Coates on Victor Schauberger's work, all translated into the, into the English language, is called Nature is Teacher. I just looked it up. All right. So anyone listening, can we please get the links into comments for everyone? I'll try to do my best, but this we're a few ahead right now. With the limited time for hour one, I want to talk about water tips for everybody. This is the free hour. It made a big difference in my life when I was living in Lemon Grove on the crappiest city water you can imagine. When you turned on the shower, you could smell the chlorine. It tasted like, you know how when you're brushing your teeth and you gag? When you brush your teeth with good water, you don't gag like that, I noticed. But what can we do? When I was in Lemon Grove, I opted for a reverse osmosis system for anything we were going to cook or drink with. And I was limited. I I wanted one for the whole house because I knew when I was in the shower, I was absorbing all that crap I could smell. What are some good water tips for everyone listening who wants to start paying attention to the elemental requirement of life, which is water and all of us living in apartments or houses in the city? What can be done to improve the situation, David? The first thing that I think about is how do you improve any part of your life? It's through thought, word, and deed. So the way you think about water, the the emanations that you send through your thought, loving the water, right? This is that whole idea that Emoto brought us. Also through word, the way, it's the way you speak to the water, blessing the water out loud, the vibrations of your voice. But the thing that, of course, most appeals to me because of my westernized mind is the deed. What can you do to improve the water that's there? If you put in spiral pipes, great. Some people will do that. Some people won't. 
if you take the water and you spiral it around or you basically try to push it through vortexes, it improves. So that's something that can be done. If the water's like lemon grove water, and I remember that water, um, you're going to have to like distill that water and then try to bring it back into a natural formation. And that would, could be done with a little bit of sea salt, put it under the moonlight. Victor Schauberger is a big believer that the moonlight improves water quality. I'm more in that camp than sunlight. I know other people who put their water out in sunlight. I'm a more in the moon camp for improving water quality. What else can be done? Well, one of the most important things is you can become a spring water hunter so that, look, you know, if, if I'm in a situation where I've got to filter all the water in my house because I've got to do laundry and I've got to, you know, wash my body and, you know, all the different things we use water for, wash the dishes or whatever, that type of thing is not water that I'm usually going to be drinking because it's been through right angles and, and it's been pushed through water city water systems. So in that case, I'm going to skip drinking that water and actually go to local springs and collect my water in glass containers. I like the one gallon glass, the old kind. If you guys remember when we were kids, you'd always get the apple juice in the one gallon glass that had the little notch, right? That you get your finger in. Remember that? Remember those containers? Yes. Yep. You can buy those today for four in a box, and that's really easy to deal with in the winter, summer, spring, and fall, because a lot of times when you're out hunting spring water, it's icy. You don't want to have the big five-gallon jugs, which I, I'm a big, big fan of those big five-gallon glass for going to collect spring water, but the littler ones, the one-gallons are easier to deal with for most people, so I just want to put that little tip out there and go out and collect your own spring water. Now, how long will spring water last once you get it to your house? Well, it usually lasts weeks, and people are like, wait a second, is there bacteria coming out of the ground when you're, you know, or algae or something? And the answer is no. When the water comes out of the spring, as long as it's not coming directly through a pool and you don't have to plunge into a pool, as long as it's coming out of a, for example, an opening in a rock and it's just pouring out, you can fill up directly there and there is no bacteria or algae in that water. It has been completely purified. That's a Victor Schauberger thing. And he talks about why that is. You always want to hunt for springs that are colder. The colder the spring is, the better quality the water is. And Victor Schauberger had a thing about the four degrees centigrade anomaly point where water is specifically dense. The closer that the water is to four degrees centigrade, or which is roughly about 39.2 Fahrenheit, the better the quality of the water is. How do you store it? Store it away from direct light, store it out of a, um, store it in a place where the water can still breathe. So cork tops are sometimes useful. Or if you're just in a situation where you're like, look, I've just got to drink this and I don't have time to store it. And I don't want to think about that. You could literally just put one drop of iodine in every jug of spring water. And that would make sure that it's not going to go off on you. I will say this also about water and just having having a sense for creating better quality water is that the more that you put intention on it, the more you do to improve it, the more spiral pipes you put in. Remember, in my house, we have three spiral pipes from the spring to my house before it comes out, and that water is really, really happy. Whenever I'm concentrating the, the ormus elements or the implosion elements or the, the determined depleted hydrogen in that my own spring water, I'll run it through eight vortexes. And I can send you guys videos of that as well that you can put in for membership so people can see what my actual system looks like, because I want that water to be as happy as possible and have as much of my intention in it as possible. So we just got to figure out what's right for our lifestyle. And, and then you gradually, as you get deeper and deeper into it, improve your, your strategies. All right, there it is. I want to say to everybody, go to alivewater.com because I think it starts with knowing some things, right? Knowledge goes a long way. On that site, there's a lot of resources and there's videos like one, they made a big implosion vortex with like a four inch pipe and it replaced an old pipe going into a sewage system, a septic system. Before they put the pipe in the grass above that was all nasty and browning. After they put that implosion vortex into the sewage, all the grass was healthy and green. And lastly, a lot of people are going to be dealing with crap they've put in the water Everybody knows what I'm talking about, the stuff that supposedly helps your teeth and everybody knows it's poison. As far as I know, and do your own research, in Lemon Grove, I was faced with this problem because they had just added fluoride to the water there. They gave three weeks notice. They had one guy say bad things about it for about two minutes, cut him off, and then they poured it into the water supplies. I tried to use reverse osmosis to get rid of that. You can do diligent research to know what the issues are with the water in your area. You can smell chlorine, other things. 
But again, go to alivewater.com and just start learning some things about water. And if you choose to buy, I know these things are expensive. I got the biggest discount we possibly could because the production cost is through the roof. And I'm not even kidding. You get 50 bucks off. Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up? I hope everyone actually gets the concepts we're going with here because this is like some very important stuff that doesn't get touched on very much anymore. It's elemental. And to know how important an elemental thing is, remove the element from your mind's eye in the in the environment. If you remove water, what happens? If you remove fire, what happens? You know, any of them, air, what happens? These are elemental to our existence. And what we are finding, or at least what I am finding as we move into this new era where technology is going to make a run at us all to replace the natural environment is that it is the basic things that mean the most. What's more basic than water? And so then when we begin to look at what's been done to water, we see the death-based system at work. What changes a death-based system? I'll tell you what changes it. A living man or a living woman's living mind exerting itself on the problem. That's how these things get reversed. Anyhow, that brings hour one of episode 401 to a close with Jason Lindgren and David Avocado Wolf. Uh, you can get the second hour if you're a member at pro777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. I hope to see you all out there. And by the way, every single member, whether you're just a member for one month because you can cancel at any time or whether you're occurring, there is a link called Shoot the Moon. Everybody gets the film for free now, the full two-hour film that Jason made about all my scope work. David, before I wrap up, can you give all your contact information where people can find you? And by the way, there is a, a link to David's products in the images on my site under each episode. Fantastic. You can always find me at davidwolf.com, W-O-L-F-E. And you can also find me on social media at David Avocado Wolf, D-A-V-I-D-A-V-O-C-A-D-O-W-O-L-F-E. And by the way, I get the name Avocado for my days back at Simpsons Nursery, which Crow knows about that nursery, which he's one of the last people left on earth who remembers it. Well, it's gone now. Um, it was a big deal. It was out in East County. Uh, what I remember, I spent so many hours there. They had animals, every plant you can imagine that grew in our area. But at October, when we were young, they used to line up, I don't know, almost a quarter of a mile of fence, maybe more with jack-o'-lanterns and things like that. And every time you went in there, they gave you a fresh apple to eat. There it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And I hope to see you over at the website for the second hour. Cheers.
of knowing.